0: So today is the day we shift our focus entirely to the Chicago Bears. And I got to be honest, I am extremely uncomfortable with how comfortable I am with this game. Um, I don't know if I'm still just super cocky about what happened with the Tennessee Titans. And if this had been a close loss, maybe I wouldn't be so cocky. But just every way that I look at this, it's just, it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. And again, I, I kind of covered it yesterday in terms of general, a general overview of why they're having the success that they're having and why I don't necessarily believe in it. Kudos to them, regardless. Because as I've been saying for a while now, y- bad teams aren't going to put up 30-ish points every single week just on a whim. I mean, some things have to be coming together, and they finally are, and that's great. I mean, for them, not for us. Kudos to them. But again, on closer examination, every single time I poke and prod, I'm just, I'm much less impressed. I yesterday began looking at um, JJ uh, wanted a score prediction from me so that uh, Dara could put it in the newsletter. Make sure, please, that you are signed up for the newsletter. I'll try to remember to put a link in the group and on Twitter and everything else. Thank you for those of you that have already. It's jam packed with really awesome insights and everything. Um, I mean, I. Beyond blown away with the amount of work that uh, Dara puts into that. But anyways, he wanted me to look into it, and so one of the ways that I like to do score predictions is rather than just looking at the score totals that they've got, for example, they scored, you know, 3rd let's say 32 points over the last four weeks. I made that up because I don't want to look it up quite yet. And then just saying, okay, so they'll get about 32. What I would rather do is say, okay, how many points did they score against this team? Let's call it the Jaguars. And then what is the normal point total for for scoring against the Jaguar? And what is the difference between what has been happening to the Jaguars recently? Let's say the last four games, not including the Bears, so last five games minus the Bears. Let's average that out and, and see the difference. So I did that. I also did it for their defense, because their defense has also been doing a fairly good job of keeping the score totals low. But again, the question isn't how low did you keep the scores? It's how low did you keep the score in comparison to what the team has been scoring Usually Now, there are some big outliers, but when you average it out over those four games, their offense is scoring about 1.75 points more than average. Their defense is allowing about 1.5 points less than average. So they're barely, 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 barely above average. Still above average, which is good for them because they are a well below average team, but again, If you look at things in their total context, it becomes much less impressive. Let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about here. So the Chicago Bears have scored over the last four weeks um, 30, 36, 33, and 41, which is really, really impressive. And again... Bad offenses just don't put up 41 points, even on a fluke. You just, you just don't If you don't have the capability, you don't have the capability. It's that simple. Again, they've found a rhythm. They've found something that allows them to march down the field and score, and they're just asking for a team to come along and find a way to stop them, and nobody's really done it outside of, again, Green Bay kind of already has. If we assume that this is a new thing that started after the bye, um, the one game after the bye that they didn't reach 30 points was against the Packers, but uh, I digress. So they scored 41, uh, the, the Bears scored 41 points on Jacksonville. Baltimore just scored 40 points on them the week before. Tennessee scored 31, and Minnesota scored 27. So the Bears did score more than everybody else, but the fact of the matter is the Jaguars, especially the last three weeks, have completely given up. They're done. They, they've given up. And there's also some evidence that they're legitimately tanking. They're starting to pull players, you know, ah, he's not quite feeling well, I don't think he should play they're done. Minnesota Vikings, right? The Bears scored 33 on them. That's crazy. The Saints put up 52 the very next week. So suddenly 33 becomes a little less impressive when you look at it through that context. And even before that, the Bucks put up 26. The Jaguars put up 24. The Panthers put up 27. The Cowboys put up 31. These are not good offenses that are putting up roughly 30 points against them. The Vikings' defense is trash i mean they're they're right now ranked 28th in points 27th in yards it's kind of getting to the point where you you kind of have to reassess the idea that they're automatically going to improve next year there's no question they're going to improve but when you're one of the worst defenses in football and you start talking about well we're going to add a pass rusher i don't know if that's going to do it dude i mean we we have reached and this is this is primarily the reason you talk out against tanking football is such an emotional um, emotional sport When your defense ends as the worst defense in football and your coach comes out and says all of you are trash, which he basically literally did. I know basically and literally don't go together, but I mean, in terms of the the general message, that is literally what the general message was. The literal wording was something to the effect of this is the worst defense ever ever played with or, or coached or something. Which, again, is directly pointed at the players who are going to be there next year. Many of which are young players that just need a pat on the back. He has one of the best, hottest young corners in the NFL right now, Cam Dantzler, that's really picking up steam. I mean, if anything, go to the podium. Be a man for once in your life. And stand there and say, I'm proud of what my guys are doing. This has been a rough year. This is 2020. We've seen devastating injuries. We've seen guys opt out because of COVID. We've seen some great things that give me a lot of promise for the future. Our offense has shown some amazing things. I think we got the best running back in the league. We've got the best wide receivers in football. Our offensive line is improving. Cam Dantzler is is really coming on. I think he's one of the best young corners in football. We are going to come back next year super strong. Instead, he comes out and says, these guys are all trash. He's an idiot. I mean, he should almost be fired just based on that. That's total nonsense. Anyways, they're done. Houston Texans, again, they scored 36. The Cincinnati Bengals just put up 37 on them this past week. The Bengals. 37 points. I mean, I, I kind of almost have to eat my words saying that bad teams can't just put up 40 points just on a whim, because there's nothing redeemable about the Bengals. And it just happened. Again, it, it maybe can happen once. My, my larger point is that it's four weeks in a row. But still, again, put things in their larger context, and it becomes less impressive. The Detroit Lions might be the most damning of all. This is what supposedly started this reign of terror. The Chicago Bears, first of all, they lost to the Lions. Let's Let's put that out there. They've been scoring a lot of points recently, they've won three in a row. That's it. They lost to the Lions, having scored 30. Beyond that, though, after they scored 30 on the Lions, or after the Lions allowed 30 to the Bears, the Packers scored 31, the Titans scored 46, and the, Bear, uh, the Buccaneers scored 47. By the way, the week before the Bears, the Texans scored 41 against them. The Packers and, and Bears kind of sucked, because there was 40 points just sitting out there, and the Packers and Bears only got 30-something. Again in the larger context, when you start to analyze things, and again, I've been saying it doesn't really make sense because the team isn't that good. They still have a terrible offensive line. Trubisky's grading out as a horrible quarterback. Somebody reached out to me and said, uh, somebody on, I don't know, one of the sports talk radio television show things, I don't know who it was. I think he said it might have been Burleson. No idea where, where he talks on television. Somebody made the comment that Trubisky's been grading out in the 90s the last few weeks. Absolute nonsense. If anybody on television has told you that, they're lying, and I have screenshots to prove it if you'd like it. His best game of the year was an 80, and that was week two. His second best game of the year, and I'm doing this from memory, I'm pretty sure is a 68. I'm not kidding you. Mitch Trubisky's second best game of the year wasn't even good. I believe it was like week 15, but still. A good day for Mitch Trubisky is is a day in which he's like high average. So yes, every Packer fan who's on Twitter saying please re-sign him is absolutely correct. Again, there's still a very slim sliver of a chance that he becomes a good quarterback, but with every passing year, it becomes a bigger joke. And you start getting into, you know, Ryan Tannehill territory where it's like this one in a million situation where a guy that everybody pretty much gave up on suddenly became, becomes a quarterback freak. And again, I'm not really going to go through it all, but you can basically do the exact same thing with the defense. I think they had one game that was really impressive, but they also had several that were really, really not impressive. I think it was the Texans, they only allowed seven points. In general, they're scoring, you know, well into the 20s or something. So that's pretty impressive. But, um, I mean, Detroit scored 34 against them. That's sort of embarrassing. Uh, Minnesota scoring 27 might seem somewhat impressive, although not really, because... If the Bears really do have a top defense, 27 points is never that good. But, I mean, the Jaguars um, the Jaguars allowed 27 points. The Buccaneers allowed 14. The Saints did, did give up 33 in a shootout, but, again, larger contact. Good defense like Tampa gave up, allowed 14. The Bears allowed 27. So, um, that was the end result of that. So, my, my I might as well give you the final prediction because the predictions are... Usually, you save it for the end, but I it, it's... I understand it to be meaningless, uh, ultimately, and, and usually what I would want to do is, is look at the Packers also and then try to compare the notes and the numbers to see how much better the Packers are and compare that with the Bears' things, but I again, because it's not that big of a deal, I just applied those numbers essentially to the Packers' Bears and what they've allowed and what they've scored, and I've got it 30-20 Packers. We, we also need to remember that we just recently played the Bears and scored 41 points against their uh, supposedly elite defense. 41 points. Which, to be fair, I mean, it's still technically a top-ten defense right now. It's As long as you look at just points, they're 9th, 11th in yards. And the Packers probably do deserve some credit, because only two teams have scored more than 30 points against the Bears' defense, and the Packers hung 41 on them. But I, I, just, I really just expect more of the same. Uh, a, a victory by 10 points or more. And, and again, I feel uncomfortable saying that, because two things, as I like to say, can be true at once. Number one, the Packers are a much better, more complete, legitimate playoff team, and the Bears are just not. Number two, the Packers can lose to the Bears. While that is true, which is something that a lot of pessimists refuse to acknowledge, and I got to be honest, I, I th- it's not even just pessimists. the 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 amount of recency bias in the NFL community is is borderline annoying. Waking up after college football played yesterday and seeing how drastically everything changed overnight, who the new number one this or that is. I mean, Justin Fields had a bad day. Suddenly, everybody hates him. Nobody wants him. If I mock him at number five, people throw a fit. He's not good. I don't want him. He's trash. That was never the case until like one game. Suddenly, apparently he had a good day. Now, all of a sudden, he's a hero. Trey Sermon is the best running back in football. Trevor Lawrence is not good at football anymore. Not talking about you, JJ. I'm just saying in general. I know that's not your, you never said he was trash. I get that. He's going to get all defensive because he asked me about Trevor. But just but just in general, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm annoyed with the how far people take things, as though these guys haven't been playing for three years and have three years' worth of tape. we got to throw that all out because of the most recent game. It's beyond annoying. And so it's the same thing, right? When, when the Packers nearly lost to Carolina, they were trash. They didn't belong in the conversation. They were going to get rolled by Tennessee. Then they beat Tennessee, the exact same football team, Beats Tennessee and everybody says, this is, this is a legit number one guy. Nobody's going to stop him. Nothing actually changed. If you held both of those opinions, it's because you're bad at what you do. Because you can't see through the recency bias. You can't understand that sometimes good teams have bad days, sometimes bad teams have good days. If you can't learn to acknowledge that, you're going to be a football idiot the rest of your life. You can't just go based off last week. It happens to everybody. This team will never do it. They had a bad day. They almost lost to a team that's not good. That's not how this works. There are no guarantees. There never will be, and nobody's ever going to be perfect. That's the reality of football. All I know definitively, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. It's going to be close. It's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a Bears win. It's going to be a Packers win. I don't know. I can't give you that answer, but what I can tell you 100,000% is that this Packers team is heads and tails, top to bottom, better than the Bears team. They have a better quarterback, better offensive line, better wide receivers, better running back, better overall defensive front, better corners, better safeties. Linebacker, eh. I think their linebackers are overrated, but they still probably have better linebackers. That's about it, though. Probably better special teams. The Packers have no business losing this game. They might. But they shouldn't because they are better. And everything I'm saying to you is true. And I'm prefacing this because I know what's going to happen. The people that I just called football idiots, and I'm going to leave that name out there as as offensive as it is because I want you to realize if you message this to me, you are an idiot. So don't do it because I don't want to call you that because I respect you and I like you as a person. And I don't want that name to be be cast upon you. If the Packers lose, I don't want to hear, what happened to your prediction? I thought you said the Packers are so good. I thought you said the Bears are no good. Yes, and I'm going to say it on Monday if the Packers lose. Because it's true! Who's better, the Chiefs or the Raiders? It's not even a question. But yet they, they split. They went, you know, one and one against each other. Was it a reality in the moment that the Raiders beat the Chiefs when the Raiders were 1-0 and against them, that the Raiders were suddenly the better team and should have been considered Super Bowl champion victors? No! Even after the loss, nobody said the Raiders are better than the Chiefs. Not one person. Why? Because people that aren't stupid realize that the Chiefs are better and sometimes the better team loses to the worst team. It happens. I'm telling you the reality. The Packers are much better than the Bears. Top to bottom. Unless this is a special teams catastrophe, similar to the Colts loss, which was almost entirely a special teams disaster, every single field was a short field in which the the defense gave up a bunch of points and I actually thought they played well short of that I don't see a path to victory for the Chicago Bears I just don't and again I don't I don't like being this guy because I like to think of myself as being objective and this is how they do it I'm just I'm just telling you I think this is a bad football team still and it's weird and I guess the reason I'm being so vocal is because I don't think I'm going to get a lot of support in that no this is a good team they're coming on strong nonsense well their running back is really doing good no he's not he's had a couple of good games but he had one game with a lot of yards and everybody's freaking out about his yards he had 32 carries everybody on planet earth gets a lot of yards with 32 carries his grades are 60s and 70s he's not grading out all that well he had one game with a high yard per carry average one you know how many times aaron jones has had one game of like a seven yard per carry game or nine yard per carry game it happens all the time A.J. Dillon had a, a, like a six-yard per carry. First of all, his average on the season is 5.3 yards. Throw that out there. And don't get me wrong, I'm not calling him bad, but his grades the last three weeks in which the uh, the Bears offense has been picking it up, and, and again, I've been attributing it to Allen Robinson because I want to see who's getting better with this team as it ascends. The, the last three weeks have been three of his worst weeks. If we go back to week seven for David Montgomery, his grades are 77, 82, 53, which is a blip. 74, 71, and then the last three weeks, 66, 68, 67. Now, again, PFF is not the all-knowing, all-whatever, all, all whatever, but they're looking at every single snap and saying he's actually doing slightly worse the last three weeks because it's not all about statistics, right? If, if there's a, a, a terrible defensive performance and the offensive line is just blowing open holes wide open, which, by the way, the offensive line is blocking quite well. Cody Whitehair, a um, couple of the other guys are run-blocking, they're blocking they are minds out i don't know just you know you know what i'm going for there and i think that that really plays a big part of it and again remember houston terrible 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 defensive line outside of jj watt maybe the worst in football just putrid horrible garbage minnesota horrible garbage terrible jacksonville horrible garbage terrible yeah the offensive line's probably going to dominate a little bit against these guys detroit horrible garbage terrible and yeah, Green Bay, we got embarrassed 100%. 9.4 yards per carry he had in that game. I had somebody reach out and say, you know, everybody's telling me David Montgomery is is going to uh, embarrass the Packers, and that's what's going to happen in this game. Again, because they're just looking at stats and they believe the narrative that the Bears' offense is doing really well because of David Montgomery. And granted, a lot of the yards they're getting is because of the, the rushing, which has a lot to do with the offensive line. And maybe we just pin it on Montgomery because he's the one actually carrying the ball despite the fact that it's the offensive line carrying him. Fine, whatever. But But... Please, for anybody saying that, and I can respect it. I can respect that they're running the ball well. As a unit, fine. But explain to me real quick, if we can do a little aside, Derrick Henry. Oh, the Packers don't know what's coming. David Montgomery's going to run all over this stupid garbage defense. Explain Derrick Henry. Did he destroy this team? Is David Montgomery better than um, Derrick Henry? Is the Bears' offensive line better than the Titans' offensive line in terms of run blocking? I would argue no to both. But anyways, David Montgomery's average this season is 4.4 yards per carry. In the last four weeks, he did have a 10.3 yard per carry game against Houston. Otherwise, it was 4.2, 4.6, and 4.1. A.J. Dillon the last three weeks, 4.2, 18, and 5.9. Aaron Jones the last three weeks, 4.6, 7.3, and 9.4. Even Jamal the last three weeks, 5.2, 3.8, and 6.0, or at least his last three weeks. He's had two games in the last three weeks of 5.2 and 6.0. He's averaging 4.2 yards per carry. That's 0.2 yards less than David Montgomery. Aaron Jones is at 5.6, AJ Dillon is at 5.2. I'm sorry, we have better running backs than you do. I listen, I'm a David Montgomery fan. I'm actually a big fan of Ryan Pace. Actually, I'm not. He's a moron. But he's a I think he's a good drafter. He just gives away all his draft picks. Every if I fall in love with a prospect, Pace is going to draft them. That's just a that's just a horrible reality of life for me. I really liked James Daniels. The Bears drafted him. I was a massive fan of Eddie Goldman. The Bears drafted him. David Montgomery might have been my favorite running back in that entire draft class. The only one that was pretty close and probably marginally ahead for me was Josh Jacobs. That's it. Everybody else could go pound sand. It was Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery. David Montgomery falls all the way to the Bears in what? The third round and the Bears snag him with their first pick of the draft? So this isn't just me hating on a guy. I like the guy. I think it was a great pick. I think he's going to be a good running back for the Bears. I'm telling you, the hype for David Montgomery right now is too much. I think before it was probably too little. Now it's too much. Is he going to be a good running back going forward? Yes, I think they should actually build around him a little bit. Get a better quarterback. Build up this offensive line so it stops sucking so much. And I think David Montgomery is going to be a great running back for a very long time. He's not a big threat right now. The only reason he, again, would be a big threat is because the offensive line is playing really well recently in terms of run blocking, not pass blocking. They're garbage pass blockers. But that's the same story as Tennessee. If you look at their pass blocking prowess, it wasn't that great, especially when we talk about, again, having to allow their quarterback to stand in. It just wasn't working. And so, as I said, the Packers are going to employ the exact same strategy that they did against Tennessee. We're not going to let you run all over us. We're going to stack the box, try to shut down David Montgomery in this offensive line. And Snacks Harrison, assuming he's going to play and I, there's almost no doubt in my mind he's going to play. He's going to play a big part of that. Whether he has an average game or a dominant game, I don't know, but either way he's going to be better than the guys that we've had recently who generally are pretty bad run defenders. And I, you know, again, I think that's going to help Kenny and everything else. I mean, a a, a bad day for Snacks Harrison is about an average run defender. We have two guys on our entire defense that have 70 overall grades in run defense. Montravius Adams and Kenny Clark. Montravius is done for the year. Kamal Martin is a 69. He's number three. So yeah, if he comes in and he puts up like an average run defense performance, that's great. Tyler Lancaster, who's our big body on the inside, 66.9. And that's his best attribute. Billy Wynn, that was his whole thing, another big-body guy on the inside. So the, And that's the thing. They've been trying to get those big-body guys on the inside, which has never really been a Packers thing. I've been saying I want, like, a big old B.J. Raji in there, but they never really did it. They've been trying recently with guys like Billy Wynn and Tyler Lancaster, but these guys are they're, they're not the Snacks Harrison types. Let's just say that. So anyways, without going down that rabbit hole too far, um, again, the, the they're just going to employ the same strategy, and the point is you got to beat them. And not only are you going to have to beat us, but you're going to have some pass rush. And so their their goal is to get in third and shorts, and the, the Packers' goal is to keep you in third and longs. And, and if they can do that, you're in a lot of trouble because now Trubisky has to stand in a pocket behind some a bad pass-blocking offensive line and throw to a bunch of wide receivers that are garbage outside of one really good wide receiver who has a hamstring injury who's being covered by the best corner in football. You want to know why the Titans struggled as much as they did despite being a dominant and elite offense? Because this sometimes matchup, is real tough, that was a brutal matchup for Tennessee. Only because the run defense picked up. If they couldn't stop the run, it was game over. But the fact is, this is the new Packers' identity. We're taking away your ability to run. You have to throw. Now, that might not be the best against every single team, because some some teams would be like, all right, sounds great. Tom Brady has no problem standing in a pocket and throwing. Pat Mahomes has no problem standing in a pocket. Drew Brees has no problem standing in a pocket. Now, every team wants third and short. No team wants to be in third and eight. So it's still going to be a big part of the strategy going forward, but they're going to have to mix it up a little bit more. The point is, though, against Tennessee, it's that simple. If you can stack the box and shut down the run and force them into third and longs and have enough pressure, like, you know, Tennessee couldn't do that to anybody else because they can't bring pressure on third and long anyways. But if you got the dogs to come on third and long and get some pressure, you're, you're not going to beat the Packers, and the Bears are, like the Titans, just not as good. Quarterback isn't as good, offensive line isn't as good, running back isn't as good, wide receivers aren't as good. Defense is better, but I'm talking about the offense's ability to, to march down the field and score points. The Packers are going to do the exact same thing to Tennessee, and, and I don't see how, unless again, they can't execute this week, but if, if the Packers play even any bit as close to competent as they did against Tennessee, the Bears have no chance. If Jair continues to play the way he's been playing, if the safeties continue to play the way that they've been playing, and and that's the other attribute, that the Bears don't have as many weapons. I don't think Jimmy Graham is as good as Jonu Smith. Remember, the Titans had, I think, like the number three and number ten wide receiver in football. They didn't just have one really, uh, no, it wouldn't be three because Allen Robinson's three. I think he was three at the time we played him. So this is the second time we're going up against the number three because it shifted after the Packers just took the soul of uh, Corey Davis. But basically, they had two top ten wide receivers that didn't do jack. And again, a lot of that success comes from running or playing behind this great run game, which sets up play action, which really helps the wide receivers in terms of getting open, makes for some easy throws to the, the quarterback, which probably makes the wide receiver and quarterback quite a bit better than they are. The system is great. But again, it's all about who's going to throw a wrench in that system, like I talked about a couple days ago. Somebody has to come in and say, I'm not going to let you play that way. It's the exact same formula against the Bears. And again, that's why snacks. that's why they're rushing Snacks back. Because if you add him to that formula, which is essentially start off by saying we're not going to let you run, if, if that's all we have to do to stop the Bears, yeah, we want Snacks playing real bad. Not that we can't necessarily do it, but how much easier, how much better are we at that with Snacks Harrison? Plus, it just opens things up. You don't feel like everybody needs to be on their P's and Q's quite as much to, to compensate for everybody else. If he can hold his own, if he's taking on double teams, how, does, how much does that free up Kenny Clark and the pass rushers to maybe be a little bit more aggressive on first down? If he's going to throw two guys out of the way and make a tackle, anyways, hey, let's let's see if we can bring some on first. I mean, that as scary as it sounds, that might be part of the motivation. Is maybe we can go back to playing, you know, some some diamond nickel, because Snacks is basically another man in the box as it is. Which I'm fine with that plan if that's what you want to try. But if it's not working, put that guy back in the box, please. But if it does work, how much scarier is that? If they're as lethal with a light box as they are with a heavy box because of Snacks Harrison, but now they got an extra DB in coverage, oh my goodness. Anyways, let's uh, take a break. We've got a couple other things to look at, and uh, we'll be right back. Please make sure, if you want to support the podcast, that you do so. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for as little as a buck a month. A dollar. Now listen. Don't play stupid and act like you didn't get that stimulus money. You can prepay for the year and it's 10 bucks. Some of you all need that because you're falling on hard times. I get it. Some of you are about to rush out and buy a brand new television. Take a vacation. What about my vacation? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Oh, the children are starving. I'm kidding. But if you do appreciate the show, that would be great. Otherwise, as I said, um, just telling people is is the absolute best possible thing you can do. Tell everybody else. Because if the show gets big enough, the advertisers can cover the financial part of it so that you don't have to. Let them pay for it. That's my philosophy. Coca-Cola has lots of money. They can feed my children. (laughs) What are we even talking about? Let's just take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So before we get back into the injuries and look at all how that's going to play out, I do, um, and I know it's probably less interesting as of right now just because there's a whole recency thing or whatever, but I still like to do the uh, correlation thing, because I just I just enjoy it. Kind of gives a snapshot of the team as a whole, and um, it's the last game of the season. I mean, you know, regular season, so I want to I, I want to keep doing it. I like doing it. Leave me alone. So, looking at offense, as we know, the Bears' defense is pretty solid, so the bar is set quite low, meaning the offense doesn't usually have to do very much to get wins, which is why they're, you know, when they're scoring 30-some points, generally, they're going to win. The bar is set at roughly 17 points. 17 to 20. I mean it's hard to draw definitive lines, but not surprisingly when they score less than 17, they're 0 and 3. However, when they score 17 points, they're actually 8 and 4, which which tells you two things, right? That's that's the mark of a team that has a great defense and a terrible offense, which is the Bears in a nutshell. Now again, it's less interesting now because things seem to be changing a bit. Defense maybe isn't quite as good and the offense seems to be getting a little bit better. But that's generally what this team is. It's what we were. They were last time we played them. It's what they were last year. The bar is set really low because of their defense doing such a good job. The offense just needs to get about 17 points, and they got a you know eight and four chance. What is that? Two to one odds. Two to one odds they win if they get to 17 points. That's that's pretty miraculous, man. That's what a waste of a defense. Jeez. Defensively, it's almost the exact opposite. Um, they have to keep teams low, or they lose. Um, I would draw that line roughly at about 23 points. Again, there's that magic 24. If you score 24 on the Bears, they are 2-5 and five when teams reach 24 points. They're 6-2 when teams don't. I think that's been the, one of the biggest differences in the Bears this year, and, and a lot of Bears fans have a hard time acknowledging that the defense is getting worse. They don't want to, no, it's not getting worse. The offense just isn't good enough. It's still an elite defense. No, it's not. The 2018 Bears did not allow this many 24-point games or mo- basically half the season. Rams scored 24, Titans scored 24, Saints scored 26, Falcons scored 26, Vikings scored 27, Lions scored 34, Packers scored 41. Even in 2019, which was a down year, do you know how many times teams scored more than 24 points? Twice. Chiefs only scored 26, and the Saints scored 36. That was the one fluke game. 24-24, 22-21, 20-19, 17-17, 15-14, 14-13, 10-6. This is nowhere near as good of a defense as it was last year. Kind of similar in 2018. um, I mean, it was the number one team in terms of points. They were mostly dominant all year. They did allow three games that were kind of big blowouts, that were sort of shockers, where the defense just kind of cashed it in. 30 to the Giants, 31 to the Dolphins, 38 against the Patriots. Outside of those, though, 24-22-20, 17-17, 16-16, 14-10-10-10, 9-9-6. Six games of 10 or less. That's stupid crazy. So again, trying to act as though The 2020, and I don't know if this is still a thing that Bears fans are doing or not. I know generally they don't like that, right? They don't like when you say Roquan is overrated. They don't like when you don't acknowledge their safety is nowhere near the number one safety in football. They hate that with a passion. Um, They want to believe that Khalil Mack isn't the only talented guy. Akeem Hicks is one of the best defensive tackles in football. That is nowhere near a reality. not saying he's bad, but it's, you know. Fact of the matter is, I mean, look, they're, they're, they're ninth overall. I mean, it's, it's a it's a defense, and, and, and look, it's been basically the same formula. Keep teams under 24 and they win. The, the point is, though, the last two years, they almost always kept teams under 24. Since the bye week, they're averaging 25 points allowed. Averaging. And that's with a 7 in the middle of that against the, the Texans, 41-34, 27-17. And, 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 and keep in mind, you put this up against the Packers' defense, and I don't know how you say recently the Bears' defense is better than the Packers' defense. 17 points against the Jaguars and 7 against the Texans isn't all that impressive. If you remove that Jalen Rager punt return for a touchdown, which the defense obviously did not allow, the defense itself is giving up 17.6 points per game. The Bears defense is giving up 25 points per game. I'm I'm just looking at the numbers, man. That's all I'm doing. Packers right now have a better offense and defense than the Bears in the last five weeks. Just is what it is. And you're not going to tell me the Bears have played better teams in the last five weeks. First of all, they played each other <laughs> in the last five weeks, and the Packers destroyed the Bears. The only team that's played anybody that doesn't suck in that stretch is the Packers playing Tennessee. 40-14, to 14, thank you very much. Um, one of the weird inverse relationships here that, that kind of comes up a lot, some teams do a lot better when they don't pass very much, and that's the Chicago Bears. Go figure when you got Trubisky. The point is, though, when they run the ball well, and they take the ball out of their quarterback's hands; they do better. It sounds stupid to say, and again, it's another one of those things that Bears fans will hear and, and grumble and moan. But go look at it yourself. When the Bears throw for more than 215 yards, they're three and six. When they throw for less than 215 yards, they're five and one. It's just a reality. I'm just, I'm just reading it, man. They're five and one when Trubisky throws for less than 215 yards. They're three and one when he throws for less than 200 yards. <laughs> The Bears are the only team in the NFL trying to take the ball out of their own quarterback's hands. And the Packers are literally trying to put the ball in his hands. Again, that's exactly the strategy. Stop the run, force the Bears to put the ball in Trubisky's hands. Because when he has to throw, he's terrible. Over two hundred and fifteen yards, they've won three games. Texans, Jaguars, and Falcons. Those are the only teams they've beat in which he throws for any decent amount of yardage. One and one when he throws for over three hundred yards. Beat the Falcons, lost to the Titans. Rushing yards obviously the the higher they run the the better the um unfortunate thing for the bears is they have to run quite a bit it's not just you know crack 80 yards like a lot of these other teams i think derrick henry was at something like that the team as a whole needs to run for let's call it over 125 yard when they done when they've done that they're six and one when they run for over 125 yards less than 125 they're two and five Again, I mean, and I don't think this has changed in recent history. This is exactly the Chicago Bears. Anybody that wants to bring Trubisky back is a dum-dum. And hilariously, I don't think any Bears fans want him back. It's only the Bears organization that seemingly is talking about this. And you can understand it from Ryan Pace's standpoint, because if you concede he's garbage, you're probably giving up your own job. You're falling on your own sword and saying, yeah, I probably do need to be fired. Of course he's banging the table and saying, see, I told you he's the guy. It's not true, and I don't think Ryan Pace even believes it. Turnover is usually always a very high correlation um, in terms of turnovers, and that's no different with the Bears. One of the most shocking things here is that the Bears have only had two games in which they didn't turn the ball over. They're 2-0 and in that game, in those games, so the Packers have to get a turnover, or I'm going to get a little bit nervous. But even with one turnover, they're 6-3. and They're 2-4, and however, with two or more turnovers, which has been almost half the year. they turn the ball over quite a bit. They're, they're currently 19th in turnovers with 20 total. Uh, Defensively, looking at yardage, three hundred seventy-one is the hard cutoff here. They've had two games at three hundred seventy-one, and they've split one, you know, one and one at three seventy-one. But three seventy-one or below, including that one they lost at three seventy-one, they're six and three. Three seventy-one and higher, they're three and five. So that's the overall yardage thing. If you want to really, I mean. Take notes of these things and check them off as we go along. 371 is that, that hard breaking point. You cross that, you're feeling good. Passing and rushing yards is really not much of a correlation. I mean, just, there just just isn't defensively. I mean, individually there isn't. The Packers actually have the most rushing yards against the Bears, 182 yards. Um, 160 and above, there's two games. So the, the the two games in which they ran the most, they lost. But also the game in which they gave up the least yards, they also lost. That was against the Lions. So again, not a huge correlation there. But turnovers, again, defensively, another uh, pretty big thing. When the defense doesn't get any turnovers, which is, this is going to be the scariest thing and one of the biggest things for the Bears. They haven't won a single game where they don't get a turnover. The Packers don't turn over the ball very often. Ball control is going to be important. They're going to be hunting and and hunting for that ball. 0-4 in teams in which they didn't have a turnover, and you guessed it right, the Packers did not turn the ball over last time they played. Also, the Saints, Colts, and Titans. In games with just one turnover, they're four and two. They're four and one with games of two or more. So they basically never lose when they get, when they get a turnover. So I mean turnovers are key. I mean you look at how drastically different the games are when when the Bears don't turn over the ball, they win. When the Bears get a turnover, they win. If the Packers get a turnover and the Bears don't, I mean it's I mean, there's a lot of reasons why this game would be over, but turnovers are going to be big in this game. Although I got to be honest, I feel like this is one of those games that would buck that trend where the 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 Packers could get a turnover and still win this game. Anyways, finally, I want to look at the uh, injuries. As somewhat expected, Allen Robinson bounced back pretty quickly. I was really hoping that this week would be different. Um, He's been having this hamstring thing linger for quite some time, but um, the fact that he didn't practice was kind of a big red flag. Usually he's been on the injury report for some time, but having him go from full to not practicing, um, not great. But then he went immediately to limited, so it looks like he's going to be fine. That, however, is not the case for their two corners, Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen. Um, I mean, again, if 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 you weren't already optimistic about this game, this is this is massive. And I've said this about several other teams. You know, the I think the Lions and the Vikings both have had these situations where they have bad corners that are out, and and you might want to look at that and say, yeah, but they weren't that good to begin with, right? But how much does it? How much worse does it get when the guys that are are Barely mediocre or not even, aren't playing? The answer is it goes from bad to horrific. And uh, the fact that you're going up against the number one offense in football and you don't have two of your starting corners, that's beyond brutal. Now, there has been a lot of talk about uh, Jalen Johnson being quite talented. I, I see no evidence of that. He did have a good game against Houston, so there's probably that recency bias mixed in there. Um, he had a 75 overall grade. Let me read you the grades between weeks 2 and weeks 14 from Jalen Johnson real quick. 42, 53, 34, 47, 60, 64, 63, 48, 52, 53. I'm going to go ahead and say Jalen Johnson hasn't been all that good. Now, he's a rookie. He's a rookie second-round pick. Give him time. That's great. But again, I, I just he's not playing, so it doesn't matter. But just so you know when you hear that, not a huge amount of evidence to back that up. Um, if you, even if you want to go over to the, um, statistics, he does have 13 pass breakups, which maybe sticks out in people's minds. It's one of those positions where if you get a bunch of picks and pass breakups, everybody remembers, it's kind of like guys that, you know, sacks, you got some guys that get a ton of pressures and no sacks and people think they're terrible. Like, like Khalil Mack. Oh, he's having a down year. No, he's not. He gets a billion pressures and he's an elite run defender, but nobody cares. It's all about sacks. You should, if you don't have 15 sacks, then you're not Khalil Mack. You're old and washed up and garbage. Not true. Um, he has 13 pass breakups on the season, which is pretty good. He's also given up five touchdowns, though 106.7 passer rating when targeted, which isn't great. Um, 588 yards on the season. So again, he's not playing, but it's just it's nah, not quite. And Buster Screen has always been also not great. After that, the guys that have played the most at corner behind Buster Screen, you got to go all the way down to Duke Shelley. 170 snaps on the season. He's grading out at 63.7, which ironically is higher than either of the, the last two we mentioned. Duke Shelley is largely, I, I would assume he's going to take over in the slot. He's played um, mostly as a, a, I shouldn't say mostly. He kind of fills in wherever, but he's a 5'9", 180. He played in the slot against Minnesota and Houston, so I'm assuming that's where he's going to go. He is a uh, sixth-round pick from uh, from Kansas in 2019. In his six games that he's played, he's given up 138 yards. He's only really played three with any significant amount of snaps. That was weeks 14, 15, and 16. Uh, all 138 yards came in those three games. Um, been targeted 17 times. 14 of those were caught. Hasn't given up any touchdowns, doesn't have any interceptions, but does have one pass break up 100.5 passer rating when targeted. Um, additionally, run defense and tackling, as you would expect from a 5'9", 180 guy is terrible, which you wouldn't think too much of, but when you think about the Green Bay Packers and how physical they want their receivers to be with the blocking and everything else, this is going to be pretty rough for for Duke Shelley. He's going to have to put on his big boy pants and go out there and and try to play because guys like Alan Lazard are going to block him right into the dirt. I mean, quite literally, um also significant to note that Buster Screen was actually one of the best run-defending players they had on their team. So this is a massive drop. From a from a coverage standpoint, I don't know that this is a drop-off in the slot. From a run-defense standpoint, if Duke Shelley's coming out instead of Buster Screen, it's a massive drop-off. After that, you've got Kindle, uh, Kindle Vildor. I'm assuming he's going to come in and be the boundary guy. It may be one of those situations where Duke Shelley is the the guy on the outside when it's only two wide receivers. This may be a situation where the Packers want to spread it out because you want to get um, the best matchup possible. And if you force them to put out their worst eleven, that's ideal, right? Force them to take one of their safeties off the field or linebackers off the field and bring Duke Shelley on to play in the slot and and Kindle Vildor out to the boundary. Because otherwise, you got Duke Shelley going out to the boundary. Kindle that's so hard to say. I keep wanting to say Kildor. Kindle Vildor, and if you're picturing a, a big Viking-looking guy, it's that's not the case. It's a black dude with dreads. It just sounds very, very Nordic. Kindle Vildor is, is not a Viking. It's a great Viking name, though. Vikings should have drafted this dude. But um, he's bad. He's played uh, two games with a significant amount of snaps in Week 15 and 16. He has given up, jeez, 87 yards in two games, um, 12 targets, nine receptions in the last two weeks. yard per reception average. He's given up two touchdowns in the last two weeks, 138.5 pass rating when targeted if you include week 14 in that mix. But the last two weeks have been 132.1 and 134.5. I mean, just absolutely putrid. So again, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know where anybody looks at this game and says it's going to be a good game. The only thing you do is if you... Completely zoom out, right? If you zoom in, the more you zoom in and analyze, the Packers are a dominant team. The Bears are just still a, they're just a bad team. Um, so now I'm getting into Facebook fights. I gotta, I gotta get going. Is this guy a Vikings fan? What is this? He is a Vikings fan. What a moron. I'm, I'm, am I'm, I'm, I'm gonna read this to you because it's getting me fired up, and I just, I want the Packers to smash something in the mouth really, really badly because I want it to resonate in Minneapolis. I want this to be such a Brutal, bloody battle. And I don't mean battle in terms of back and forth. I'm talking about brutal massacre that every team in the NFL has to shut their mouth about the Packers. It's really upset. I don't know why I'm so upset about this. The guy's obviously just an idiot. He's clearly just trolling, but he commented on my A.J. Dillon video. He didn't have any comments about the video. He's just talking about the Packers in general. He says, sucks. Whole team sucks. Rogers sucks. Adams only catches one-yard touchdowns, which, oh my goodness. O-line holds every play. Uh, objectionally false. Eleven guys who can't stop one running back. Chiefs gonna walk all over them if they don't. If they do get lucky enough to play in the Super Bowl, because Green Bay is garbage, um, they will get lucky enough to play in the Super Bowl because it's not luck that got them here. Secondly, I don't think they're gonna be playing the Chiefs because the Chiefs kind of suck. That's all I'm saying. He goes on to say, eleven guys couldn't stop Cook from having a field day in Lambeau. It goes on to say, Rodgers up for MV- MVP for throwing one-yard touchdowns. Um... Again, this is this is factually inaccurate. He, I think, is third in touchdowns over 20 yards right now. I think Mahomes um, and uh, uh, the Seattle guy, Russell Wilson, are the only two, and they have like two more touchdowns than Rodgers does of 20 or more yards. So that's stupid. This is what happens when you live in a bubble. You you and your Vikings friends get together, and you just start making up stats. Like, did you know? And you just made it up off the top of your head, and then it just resonates. Like, yeah, it's one-yard touchdown. Because I watched that one Packer game, and he threw a one-yard touchdown. That's not impressive, except for the fact that he was throwing off his back foot to a guy that's double-covered. He says to Adams only, which, you know, some legitimacy to that, although, you know, they also have the tight end with more touchdowns than just about anybody else. But I'll give you half credit for that one, because, you know, Adams is the best wide receiver in football says so Packers played one of the easiest schedules the past two seasons. Um, somewhat true, although the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions play very similar schedules because they're in the same division. And um, easy schedule or not, 13-3 and 3 is not what bad teams do. If you're one of the bad teams, <laughs> right, you're the one that helps other teams get good records, not the other way around. Good teams beat bad teams. That's the whole point. That's the only reason they've gone thirteen and three two years in a row. It's funny that they're already he's already conceding that they're going to beat the Bears, which is interesting because why would a bad team beat the Bears? They wouldn't. He know he knows without Rodgers would be the worst team in the NFL. That's also completely false. Best wide receiver in football. Um, Best offensive tackle in football, I know he's hurt, I'm sorry, sore subject, but it's reality. Corey Lindsley's the best center in football, best running back duo in football, best offensive line overall in football, Uh, best safety duo in football, second best corner, uh, arguably best corner in the NFL. Saying that this team is only Rodgers is stupid. And a Vikings fan with nothing better to do than cry is the only person stupid enough to say any of these things that he said. Again, just relaying this because... um, Got me very motivated for this game coming up to prove to everybody that the Packers are legit, and I can't wait for them to just bloody another team again and again and again and again, because they've been doing it for half a year now, offensively and defensively, just annihilating people. But anyways, I heard a pretty good quote about uh, trolls I thought was pretty funny, because it's it's very true, and it's it's part of the reason why you should let stuff like this go, although I just didn't. Felt the need to comment on it. But the comment was something to the effect of, if you could walk on water, they'd say it's because you don't know how to swim. That's literally what these ultra-pessimists, these trolls, that's them in a nut. You're never going to make them stop. It doesn't matter what you do or what you say. They're always going to be these types of people. And the best thing about it is that you don't have to be that way. You get to be happy. And that's great. I make money talking about the Green Bay Packers and making videos about the Packers. I'm a fan of one of the greatest teams in NFL history, if not the greatest team, that is currently one of the best teams in football. He's a Vikings fan. Also, for fun, I perused a couple of his pictures. I promise you, I'm not trading spots with him, okay? Just saying. I'm good. But uh, just, just something to keep in mind, because we all have to deal with this nonsense constantly. And although there are some intellectual discussions worth having on Twitter and Facebook, some people like this are so miserable in their lives that they actually say sentences like these. Because they're just so filled with anger that they're 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 willing to just sound stupid if they think it's gonna hurt somebody. They're gonna they're willing to lower their IQ into the teens if it means I get to hurt you just a little bit. I'm very, very excited. I'm I'm so I'm so ready for the Packers to just embarrass the Bears. I've never I just oh my goodness. Again, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen. They might lose. But it'd be cool if they didn't. I I want so badly for this to just embarrass and completely demoralize. I want it to demoralize the entire NFC North. I want people to get fired in Detroit because of what's going on in Chicago. People that aren't already fired. Just fire everybody else. Because you realize what a real team looks like and how pathetic we are. How pathetic the Vikings are. How pathetic Zimmer is. What an absolute loser he is to talk about his team that way. How pathetic he is. How garbage that team is that takes pride in their defense, one of the worst defenses in football statistically. That's statistics. That's called adding and subtracting and dividing. It's called averaging out numbers. It's basic mathematics that people like this don't know how to quite do. They, they, they have their fake stats that they make up in their mind. Like Aaron Rodgers gets MVP because he throws one-yard touchdown passes. That's a fake stat. A real stat, the Vikings have the 29th best defense in football. That's a real stat. This is a person whose life is basically ruined because of what the Saints did to him. They're completely demoralized and good. The Packers are going to dominate the NFC North for the next 10 years because of what they do to the the, the division this year. The wake of destruction that they're going to leave behind, the rest of the NFC North isn't going to recover from for a decade. The Bears are pathetic garbage. The Vikings are pathetic garbage. The Lions, I mean, it's not even fun saying it because they even know they're pathetic garbage. There's no point in them even showing up next year. This isn't even a competition. It wasn't even interesting to watch. Matt LaFleur is a brand new coach. He's lost one game all year against divisional opponents. In the last two years against divisional opponents. What is he, 11-1 and in the division in two years? It's boring. It's boring. I'm bored with the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions. It's boring. It's not even interesting. It's a waste of energy to even be talking about them. Sign Trubisky. You think we're kidding? You think we're bluffing? Please sign him. Better yet, draft the next best quarterback to come out. Yeah, please. You did such a bang-up job the first time when you had basically the first pick in the draft. You had any quarterback that you wanted in that draft. You're the, you picked the only one that sucked. Your franchise is a joke. And I'm talking to all three of you at once. Your franchise is a joke. You're an embarrassment to the NFL. The NFL is set up so that the losing teams get better every year. It's built to drag you up, kicking and screaming, and you can't win. You still can't find a way to win. You suck that much. The salary cap, the draft order, everything is set up so that if you're a bad team, you get better, and you can't do it. The NFL is set up to drag teams like the Packers down. You know why they stay up? Because you suck. You're right, they have the easiest schedule in football. You know why? Because they play you! Idiot. I'm I'm I I want to just go to sleep until the game because I can't I'm gonna be a basket case until this game I've I've I feel so good right now I've I've never I I just I'm again I'm I'm worried about how confident I am this team is so good it's scary granted I'm gonna be a little bit more worried when we get into the playoffs because those are really good teams in the playoffs the the Bucks are a good team the Saints are a good team the Chiefs are a good team the Bills are a good team these are very good teams. But my confidence level in this team against the Bears, I can't remember being this confident in a long time. And yeah, I'm just I'm just stacking up the sound bites for if the Packers lose. I don't even care. I want them to wreck the Bears more than I've wanted them to beat any team. I'm so sick of all this nonsense. And, and again, I know this guy's just a troll and a lot of people are coming around to the Packers being better, but it's been years of listening to people talk down to the Packers. Years. And for two years, they've been a dominant team, and still people don't want to give them credit. Good. Good. Line up with your stupid cold takes. Line up. Get in line. You're going to get run over with the rest of them. You don't want to get over here? You don't want to get on the side of truth and reality? Fine. Get over on that side and wait for the freight train to smack you in the mouth. They're not that good. They've had an easy schedule. Aaron Rodgers throws one-yard pass. Go ahead. Take all the takes you got, all the excuses. Keep stacking them up. Just wait till Sunday. We'll see how many of your excuses still stand. I don't even think the Bears expect to win this game. You got one overrated safety who wants to run his mouth. He's not even a good safety. You know, Adrian Amos was like the best safety in football for like a year with the Bears. So what? It doesn't mean anything. Every, every so you know how many guys have been the best for a year? the The Vikings linebacker was the best linebacker in football for a year. He's been average his whole career, and he's garbage again this year. Doesn't mean anything, but that Bears fans and that guy won't quit. He's the best safety in football. No, you idiot. He was good once. He's he's okay. Man, I hope he tries to tackle AJ Dillon head on. I want AJ Dillon to. Oh, I gotta I gotta be careful now. Getting a little too heated. Anyways, I'm I'm ready, man. I I just I need uh need the game. If we could push it up to. Let's call it six in the morning are the packers there right now can we get started are they are they, are they in their gear because I'm ready I want to go upstairs refill my coffee sit down and watch this game if that's a thing not sure anyways I gotta get going I got YouTubes to do and whatnot uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye bye.